Hey folks, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you've been listening to the Whitfield Report for a while and you're starting to think to yourself, hey, you know what? I could do this podcast thing, but where the hell do I start? Well, folks, I've had a lot of friends ask me that in the last few weeks, and I'm here to tell you all that Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. This means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. You're damn right that's what I'm doing. And what I like about Anchor is that whether you're a novice or an expert, it's incredibly easy to use. They have uh, great tools that you can use to record and edit your podcast if you're a novice just starting out. Or if you're like me and you're an old pro at this, you can bring your own tools and record your audio and then upload the files yourselves. Whichever way you podcast, it's extremely easy to use Anchor, and I highly recommend them. So get started today by going to anchor.fm forward slash start. And I can't wait to hear your podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Now go out there and make some podcasts. Hey there, folks. Welcome to the Whitfield Report Thursday edition. I am your host, Sam Whitfield, recording from NGC Studios here in South Florida, and I want to thank you so much for joining me for this uh, episode of the podcast, and I'm recording this on my iPad with the Samson Q2U microphone that I got. Uh, many of you have left positive feedback saying that uh, the mic- that the new microphone Sounded great on my computer and um, also on the YouTube live stream that I did last night to demonstrate it. So I really appreciate all the feedback that I've gotten on the mic. Uh, It certainly makes uh, the money that I spent on the mic and the uh, adapter for the iPad worth it. Well, hopefully for the iPad, uh, I'm testing it out right now. Done a couple test recordings and uh seems pretty good so this is the actual uh podcast but uh at any rate uh as you guys know the thursday podcast is more or less the political uh you know free-for-all podcast in terms of whatever pops into my mind i kind of cover so um last week a lot of you were uh, wondering if I had heard the Joe Rogan podcast with Dan Crenshaw, and uh, a couple of you guys wanted me to cover that in the uh, Facebook group for the Whitfield Report, and uh, a couple other places on Twitter were saying that I should, you know, listen to that. So I did, and um, let me just say right off the bat that I thought the interview was pretty good um for the most part 
And this is something I want to dive in here uh, immediately to kind of cover. But there seems to be this new, uh, you know, kind of criticism of Joe Rogan out there that I don't necessarily know if it's warranted, but the, the criticism is that Joe is kind of a, uh, you know, he's he's kind of a shill and he kind of tries to, you know, please whoever his guest is. And that's been one of, you know, a pretty consistent criticism that he has. That he doesn't like take, you know, sides and he doesn't really make his opinions known. That's kind of been like a criticism that I've heard uh, from people regarding Joe Rogan over the last couple of years. And I know what I'm about to say is probably going to make me sound like a complete Joe Rogan fanboy, which, I mean, in a way, I am. I disagree with Rogan on some issues. I, you know, he's obviously into complete universal, you know, healthcare by the government. I just don't think that's going to work. Uh, you know, he, he's pretty socially liberal. Uh, whereas, like, I'm more of a social libertarian, and, and, I mean, so is he, actually, so, I mean, I guess we have that in common. But, I mean, point being is, um, a lot of people criticize Joe Rogan unfairly sometimes. I, it's funny, the people on the right tend to think that Joe is kind of a shill for the left, and that he's, kind of being a man, a manly pamby and that he has, you know, no cojones whatsoever. And then people on the left criticize Rogan for, you know, having on conservative uh, commentators and giving a platform to alt-right neo-Nazis, quote-unquote. And, uh, you know, I don't think either side really understands what it what it is that Joe Rogan does on his podcast, and again, this is going to maybe sound like me, uh, you know, trying to defend Rogan or being like a complete shill for him, uh, and I'm I'm not, this is just kind of my, uh, you know, this is my interpretation uh, of his show. For better or for worse, uh, Joe seems to be one of the few major public figures and one of the few major interviewers who takes time to sit down with both sides of, you know, not only of the political spectrum, but he he, he talks to everyone from all different walks of life and all different areas and, you know, areas of academia and professions and uh, basically anything you can imagine. He basically interviews, you know, everyone and likes to just have, just have conversations. And this is why I'm a fan of Joe Rogan. He's a conversationalist. He'll talk to everyone. And in today's news media and in today's internet culture, and I'm, you know, guilty of this, somewhat too, um, people tend to think that if you're not taking a particular, you know, stance on things when interviewing someone or when having a conversation 
with someone that you're just trying to show them or suck up to them, right? So I'll give you a perfect example. Joe Rogan had uh, Bernie Sanders on about like two weeks ago or probably like three weeks ago now uh, by the time you're, you guys are listening to this. But um, anyway, the, the, the criticism of the Bernie Sanders interview that I saw from a lot of conservatives wasn't about Bernie so much. It was, oh, Rogan's having on Bernie Sanders, ergo, he's, you know, a socialist, namby-pamby, uh, you know, just like a pot-smoking douchebag, right? That was kind of the reaction from the reactionary right somewhat in terms of Joe having Bernie on. Uh, you know, but then let's also go to when Joe had Alex Jones on earlier this year, right? Like him or not, you know, Alex Jones is an interesting, you know, person. He has some interesting views. Agree with them or disagree with them. He is certainly an interesting character. And I, I've said this again and I'll continue. I've said this before and I'll say again. The censorship by the big platforms of Alex Jones is wrong, right? So Joe was, I, I felt, did a very good thing by having Alex on, right? To kind of explain his side of things, you know, for the second time and just talk about some issues and whatnot. The reaction from the left regarding um, you know, Rogan having an uh, Alex Jones for that second time, it was basically, um, you know, Joe Rogan gave a platform to a, to a neo-Nazi, right? That was one of the little headlines from, I think it was Slate Magazine that, that like, wrote a blog post pretty much saying that, that you know, Alex Jones is an neo-Nazi in their opinion, so therefore, you know, by Joe Rogan having Alex Jones on, he was giving a platform to a neo-Nazi, and therefore, Joe Rogan endorses neo-Nazis, right? Which is crazy. Uh, and, you know, on the flip side, with uh, Rogan having Bernie on, the right was saying that Rogan, you know, endorses Bernie and that he's a complete, you know, socialist. Now, I, now, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, I know that Rogan is more socially liberal than I am, but I mean, he's he's not a full-blood communist either. He certainly has a very hard work ethic. I mean, he's built the num- the number one most downloaded podcast of all time. He is big into the Second Amendment. And like I said, he likes to try and understand both sides of the story. Right? And this is something because we're so partisan now because of social media and because of kind of the way things are in the, in the information age, people expect you to take one side or the other. So, I preface the 
Joe Rogan interview or the interviews, right? I brought up the Alex Jones case of Joe being demonized by the left as, you know, an alt-right. And then I brought up Bernie as an example of Joe being demonized as a commie by the right. Okay, so last week, Joe has Dan Crenshaw on. Now, Dan Crenshaw is kind of getting flack from both the left and the right, which we'll get here in, which we'll get here to in a sec. But it's interesting because uh, Joe was criticized by the right for having Crenshaw because they feel that Crenshaw is now like a McCain rhino. And then you have the left complaining at Joe for having Crenshaw because Crenshaw is a right-wing gun, according to the left. Right? So those are kind of the two, um, you know, juxtapositions that Dan Crenshaw is in the middle of, right? And, you know, being more specific, you know, people seem to be harping on the gun, uh, you know, talk portion of the of the JRE podcast, which I'll get to in, in, in a few moments, because that seems to be what a lot of people are focused on. But um, I, I want to just dive into kind of the overall view, the overall conversation that Crenshaw had with Rogan. Uh, I did not know a lot about Crenshaw about Dan Crenshaw prior to this uh, interview. Like, I knew he was a Navy SEAL. I knew he got wounded. Um, I knew he's a Republican from Texas. But basically, that's pretty much all I knew, like a lot of people. I don't think I was particularly alone in that. Um, so, when Crenshaw won Rogan, I took it as an opportunity to realize into the whole interview. And, um, you know, look at Crenshaw shot as a whole. And, uh, what I found was, uh, Crenshaw is a guy who, who, in my opinion, genuinely, genuinely does want to, uh, serve the country, and who generally has good uh, intention for wanting to be a representative text right? Two issues that I agreed, agreed with him immediately on is the fact that, uh, you know, censorship with the media and the big social platforms is bad, and you know, that we might have to look in maybe breaking up the monopoly of the big tech companies so that they can have a stranglehold on our uh, democracy. But you also admit it, it's, it's a challenge because they are a private company and we don't want to regulate them too much. So Crenshaw and I agree 
completely on that. And, uh, you know, we also agreed that while uh, we don't, while I'm not a big fan of the military still being over there in uh, the Middle East, I don't think that there will ever be really be a point uh, that we can't not be over there at some point just because of all the, uh, you know, terrorist groups kind of, you know, still harassing our allies somewhat. I don't think we need to be there in a war capacity, certainly. But um, I certainly think at this point, you know, not having military bases there um, is kind of an impossibility. Um, so those were two things that I agreed with Crenshaw. Okay, now, the big criticism that Crenshaw has faced is, uh, and this is, specifically what a lot of people seem to focus on was this idea of uh, the TAP Act. Now, the way Crenshaw words this, it, it wouldn't be the same as a red flag law, but it would essentially give local law enforcement a way to use data and analytics from you know, past murder cases kind of try and systematically curtail violent crimes where, where they can. Um, a lot of people seem to misunderstand this as the same thing as a direct red flag law, which is what the left is essentially proposing, where your neighbor can, uh, you know, basically rat you out if you have weapons and whatnot of any kind, or if you're even suspected, okay? That's what the left want. They want extreme, you know, background checks. They they basically want to disarm the population, the far, far left. Uh, what Crenshaw is actually proposing with giving the data and, and analytics, I, uh, you know, I think is um he wants to give local law enforcement a better grip on you know possibly studying the crime statistics so that they can maybe prepare strategies to go into violent areas. Okay, now the libertarian part of me says that this is a bad idea because giving more authority to the state, uh, you know, and giving more authority to law enforcement is, you know, not for liberty. So, on the one hand, I don't like that, but then the pragmatist side of me, which is what I'm kind of siding with, this is kind of where I, I draw the line, too, with the libertarians. I get the idea. I get the idea that, like, more regulation and giving the police more power isn't necessarily always a good idea. But I would also argue that it really depends on the situation, right? In this case, um, 
Frenshaw seems to be talking, giving some more tools that the federal government might have to local law enforcement agencies for immunity, right? Now, I have always made the stipulation that there is a big difference between the authority in your local community and the authority of the state, right? Um, officers within the community in your town, they know the citizenry a, a little bit better. You might have, you know, a cop as a neighbor or a, a close friend. Uh, they, they tend to know you a, a bit better. And I actually know some police officers who are very libertarian in their ideas, um, how they kind of live their lives, and they, they want liberty. There are libertarian police officers. And this is the other problem, I, you know, not to get up on a sign right here, but this is another problem when we talk about, you know, gun control and cops and everything else. When it, when it comes to police officers, libertarians tend to generally demonize police officers as like evil, horrible monsters. When really, a lot of them are just, uh, you know, trying to do, to do their job. Yes, there are corrupt cops out there, um, you know, who, who, who are corrupt and who are bad and who do cause problems for the, uh, you know, the legal system. But more often than not, the, the police officers as individuals, they are human, they do make mistakes. But I feel that the average police officer, the average detective, especially the average homicide detective, uh, Rule wants to see justice done, and they want to do the right thing. The problem isn't with the individual officers most of the time, most of the time when it comes to law enforcement. The problem is with the politicians and the higher ups within that in the police department, kind of the guidelines and the policy of police. Right. This is something that Michael Connolly explores a lot in his Bosch to say, hey, it's not just about, you know, police officers and the detectives. A lot of the time, politics gets in the way of police work. And so when libertarians get mad at, you know, police officers and whatnot, I always try and remind them, you're not actually mad at the officer, you know, as an individual. You're most likely mad at the policy that they're being forced and four, right? So, you know, in terms of Crenshaw wanting to give this data to local law enforcement agencies, I don't really see the problem, honestly, because in my mind, and obviously, you know, this isn't going to be perfect, but if local law enforcement, you know, could have, uh, you know, better access to some of these things on the local level, they might be able to, you know, perhaps uh, check in on a troubled individual, um, you know, who's legitimately troubled, right? The uh, the Florida shooter 
last year who shot up that high school, right? Cops visited him a couple of times, said that he was obviously in trouble, but they couldn't really do anything because they were all cops and they didn't have the resources to do anything, right? Um, and yet this guy, through his actions, uh, was clearly infringing on, uh, you know, other people's liberty and then when he, you know, committed that shooting, he obviously went to the uh, most extreme, right? So, Crenshaw's act that he's proposing, as I understand it, focuses mainly on local law enforcement and giving them more power. But Crenshaw has also said, and I think this is important, that, you know, giving the federal government more uh, power over firearms is a, is a big no-no, right? So, the right is criticizing Crenshaw for, um, you know, being quote-unquote too, uh, you know, restrictive on gun rights and basically being a shill like McCain, which we'll get to that here in a sec uh, as well. And then the left is criticizing him for not doing enough. And, you know, being too lenient on gun laws, right? Because Dan Crenshaw is a Republican and the left is stereotyping. Like I said, I, I see this whole thing as a middle ground. And this goes back to my earlier, you know, critique of um, the whole react, the whole reaction that we had to uh, gun violence in American society. We can't take 10 minutes to grieve as a society whenever these shootings happen, like in El Paso or like in, o in Dayton, Ohio, right? We have to politicize things immediately rather than taking the time to, you know, grieve and really sort things out. We can't, you know, just grieve as a nation for five minutes you know, which I'm using that kind of as a metaphor. And in reality, we can't even go for like a full month or a full two weeks without, you know, one of these tragedies becoming political, which is really sad. It really is. Um, so where do I come down on the whole Crenshaw, you know, gun violence thing? Look. Here's where I I don't like the, uh, you know, there are parts of the TAPS Act that I don't like. You know, I wish that he would be a little bit more uh, detailed on exactly what parameters he wants to give local law enforcement and whatnot. Um, but his proposal is a lot better than what the far left is proposing, which is basically ban you know, guns everywhere, and they want, you know, everyone being, being like, uh, you know, surveilled and whatnot, so there, there is a fine line, and I believe that Crenshaw is trying to do his best to, uh, you know, walk the line between those. Um, overall, though, the podcast kind of his history and whatnot was very uh, interesting um, with Rogan, and I think he did did an overly all 
pretty good job regarding uh, his appearance on Rogan's podcast. Now, as far as the uh, name calling goes, with uh, you know some people like calling him the new John McCain or whatever. Honestly, I think that's a little, you know, it's a little early to be making statements like that. I don't think he's at the level of, you know, John McCain yet in terms of, you know, being a total neocon. You know, for cripes' sakes, he's only been a representative seven months, and while he is still a politician and, and while he's not necessarily immune to criticism, I do generally like to point out that he is still relatively new and that, hey, you know, for one, I think we still ought to give him a chance somewhat to really, uh, you know, do some stuff in office and, and really see where he goes. Who knows, this this tab act thing may be his way to kind of like placate the, Kate the Dems a little in Congress. They're like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something, something's being proposed and whatnot, um, but I don't think he's going far left on this uh, at all. Certainly it is, doesn't seem like it to me. So, um, you know, that's kind of my old take on Crenshaw and the, uh, you know, the whole gun control debate. Like I said, it's, it's sad that we have to politicize these, uh, you know, these things, and, uh, you know, I, I wish, I wish society were more, uh, you know, were willing to step back more or less whenever these mass shootings happened, and, uh, you know, I, I, ultimately something is probably going to happen down the line with gun control, I, I, I hate to say it. But, um, you know, and this is the other thing. We're nowhere near repealing every single gun law in the country, which is what, you know, the libertarians want. Um, You know, so Crenshaw, in my opinion, is trying to keep the left from getting what they really want, um, you know, which is complete, you know, gun confiscation. and. Crenshaw is proposing alternatives to that, I feel. Um, he also explains pretty well on his YouTube channel what the TAPS Act actually is, and he says that he feels a lot of people are misunderstanding, so uh, maybe go check that out. I think he's, uh, you know, I think it's worth watching. The other thing I do like about him is he is a bit more nuanced and actually kind of explains his positions relatively well compared to most other politicians. Most politicians don't even really communicate via social media all that well um, at all in general, but he seems to actually take the time to address some of the concerns of his constituents. And, you know, and he even said on a recent video, hey, look, I know some of you guys have, you know, concerns and criticism regarding the the TAPS Act, so here's what it actually is, and, uh, you know, he took the time on a YouTube video to explain his position on that, which I think is awesome, so, and I, and I wish more politicians would, uh, do that.
Um, but anyway, that will do it for uh, this episode. We're about 30 minutes uh, in. Can't really think of anything else to uh, chat about for this uh, podcast. But uh, anyway, I want to thank you all for listening to uh, this episode of the Whitfield Report. I really appreciate each and every one of you listening, and uh, I'm anxious to hear your feedback on how the uh, new mic sounded on the iPad uh, setup. It uh, sounds pretty good so far to me. Obviously, you guys will hear the uh, post-production result, but uh, anyway, folks, from all of us here at NGC, have a good day. Good evening, uh, you know, or good afternoon, whenever you're listening to this in the past, present, future hour. And I will see you guys for the Saturday edition of the Whitfield Report live on YouTube at 10 p.m. I will be having uh, Sean and Phil from the Versa News show on to basically promote their show and discuss some other topics. So. I was on I was on their show a couple months ago, so uh, now I've decided to return the favor, and uh, they're always fun to talk to, and so it should be a good pod. All right, folks, from all of us at NGC One, uh, God freedom, legacy in that order. God bless and God save this great nation. Thanks for listening to the Whitfield Report, and I'll see you on Saturday. Hey there, folks. If you've made it this far to the end of the podcast, I'd like to thank you very much for listening to the show. You are the ones that make it possible for me to uh, make an income from podcasting, and I greatly appreciate that just by listening to our show. You are helping us gain ad revenue. However, if you would really like to uh, help support the show, I encourage you to please donate to the podcast and become a supporter of the show you can head over to anchor.fm forward slash whitfield report and click the support this podcast button and uh, choose the amount that suits you to support the show or you can click the link in the show notes and it will directly uh, take you to that page if you can support the podcast i really really appreciate that Anything that you can do to uh, help out is greatly appreciated, even if you can't afford to uh, help financially support the podcast. I encourage you to please go on iTunes uh, or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and please leave this podcast a positive five-star review. That really helps us out here at the Whitfield Report. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next episode.